0: Welcome to the Leader's Edge Podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leader's Edge. My guest in this episode is Lori Bailey, Chief Insurance Officer at Corvus, which offers smart insurance products in cyber along with several other lines. Lori has over 20 years of experience in cyber liability and specialty lines on both the broker and carrier sides of the business. We talk about the evolution of cyber risk and coverage, the current cyber marketplace and challenges with historical data, and where the cyber market will go next. Give it a listen. Lori. it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Really excited to get started uh, talking about cyber. You've worked in the cyber markets for a really long time. So I'd love to hear your perspective on how cyber risk has changed and how coverage has changed along with it.
1: Well, Sandy, thank you so much for having me. Um, Really great to be here and um, excited to talk um, a bit about um, the cyber market and cyber insurance today. So with respect to the cyber market, You know, the cyber market has really been around, despite the fact that a lot of people think it's a relatively new coverage, the cyber market's actually been around for about 20 years. Um, And the risk has really changed a lot since then. Um, You know, 20 years ago, when this coverage first came into the market, it was very, it was considered to be a very um, internet-driven coverage. It was very focused on third-party data. And so industries like healthcare, and retail and financial institutions that had a lot of account numbers or personal information were really the core focus of cyber coverage. And you saw that even on the regulation side as well, where data breach laws came into effect starting as early as 2006, 2003 in California, and then more um, on more scene in 2006, um, where it was really focused on private information and, and data specifically. But in the last, say, four to five years, that trend has really shifted. And while the data element and the third-party element is still very much there, um, given the rapid pace of technology and the digitization of our society, as well as the interconnectedness of um, smart devices and and everything really being driven by computers and chips – there's a real shift now into first party coverage and business interruption um, and supply chain specifically. And so there's been a real shift um, in terms of uh, how the risk is viewed. And it's gone beyond just being sort of an Internet coverage and really now being um, focused more on an enterprise coverage and an enterprise risk because everyone is connected to each other in, in some way, shape or form um so the risk has really evolved quite a bit in the last 20 years what's interesting to note though from a coverage standpoint is that the coverage itself really has stayed um very similar um to where it started 20 years ago um the you know certainly some definitions and some exclusions may have changed and some have have evolved and new ones have come in as as new risks have emerged but the core insuring agreements of first and third party and the focus on business interruption and liability elements and loss of data have really stayed pretty constant Um, and i think that's a really interesting dynamic um, and one that will be interesting to note if we fast forward 20 years Will we continue to see those same types of coverages exist in policies?
0: Yeah, a fascinating history of it, and you can really see how it's possible that the risk sort of creeps into other lines as it becomes this broader risk, um, in a sense. Um, but speaking of sort of the coverage and continuing to look at that a little bit, As we look at cyber premiums, um, we've seen them increase exponentially in the last couple of quarters. So uh, can you tell us what's driving this? Do you feel like it's historically been underpriced and this is just a correction, or is this a result of that changing um, current threat environment?
1: Yeah, it's really, um, I think, been a a product of two factors. Um, And one is that you have seen, as you've noted, there's been this real increase in the current threat environment and an increase in claim frequency as well as severity as well Um, the last 18 to 24 months have seen a real increase in ransomware claims and um, more recently as well a lot of contingent business interruption claims as well where you've got a common nexus um, that is uh, or a a platform or a piece of software that's tied to hundreds if not thousands of companies and when there's a vulnerability at that level um, it it has a a real trickle down effect very quickly so the industry has seen a real increase in clean frequency and severity and so that is has really um, increased demand uh, for cyber insurance uh, overall The other factor though that's kind of coming into play here is that there's been a real decrease of the supply of capital in this space. So tied a bit to the claim frequency um, and more importantly, the severity, um, the reinsurance market has really constricted in this space because of the aggregation of cyber risk. So as I mentioned, you know some of the more recent incidents um, you know, have a, a real magnifying effect when it's um, one provider that is servicing multiple insureds. And so as a result of that, the reinsurance market has taken a real um, hit on some of these losses and uh, as a result have have really constricted their supply of capital that they wish to put into this market until the market levels out from both a coverage and a price standpoint Um, And and so, um, because of those concerns and and because of that sort of decrease in supply, that that also is impacting um, the the pricing that we're seeing. Um, And what's interesting about these dynamics is, you know, just kind of looking at the basic laws of supply and demand, either one of those by themselves would cause an increase in rates. So, either an increase in demand or a decrease in supply. But what we're seeing happen now is these two are converging at the same time. So, in in effect, it's exacerbating the the increase in prices because you've got both of these happening simultaneously. Um, And some of that is, I think, you know, this is the first time we've really seen this type of activity in the cyber market. And as the market begins to correct itself, and and um, look at rates and what are deemed to be adequate rates for these types of exposures um that's why you're seeing the um the rates go up at the at the pace that you are um and and probably will continue to, to do that for um for the for the short term foreseeable future until either one of these begins to um begins to uh come down uh you know as, as time passes on so I want to go
0: into that capacity um, issue, but first I want to go back to what you said in the first question. In your response, was that the coverage actually hasn't changed very much over the past 20 years? Do you think that this, um, you know, these factors increasing claims and and these challenges in this market? Does it have anything to do with, do we feel, do our do, business is adequately covered or do you think that coverage needs to be broadened or changed to sort of meet the risk demand?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because I think that the, um, again, I think the core coverages themselves, I think are, are um, you know, again, have been around a while and I think continue to address some of the um, you know the major needs that that certainly insurers are facing at the moment, but what we're also seeing too is that um, the concept of silent cyber, um, which is of course you know cyber that is um, sort of inherently picked up in other lines of business and and haven't been specifically addressed or specifically excluded from those policy forms, and, and 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 as some of those products continue to evolve and become more explicit with cyber, we're seeing some of those exposures now begin to translate into. Um, into cyber policies, and I think that will probably be the next evolution of cyber coverage is going to be picking up those gaps in between where we see um, where we see cyber uh, traditional Property casualty policies no longer um, picking up cyber exposures, and where cyber policy may need to to broaden a bit further. And I think with that expansion of coverage would also seemingly come with um, you know increase in in rates and pricing as well to to specifically address that exposure.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go on to um so you discussed the fact that capital has um, started moving out of uh, of the market a little bit in response to losses Uh, so we're gonna look at first the challenges you have a a great underwriting history so the challenges to underwriting cyber um, and then as part of that can you discuss the lack of historical data available for modeling and how that's being solved in a way that may hopefully bring back some of that capacity into the market
1: yeah, I think one of the greatest challenges with underwriting cyber and why I think it needs to be treated um, you know, very differently from many other types of insurance is that it's a constantly evolving risk. Um, and, and even within the course of, say, a traditional 12-month cycle, which is normally how we've looked at underwriting insurance policies, so much can evolve in a, in a very short period of time that it really needs to be underwritten almost as a continuum as opposed to a snapshot in time. And when we talk specifically about data, um, you know, again, if I go back to my my first comments that the cyber industry or cyber policies have been around for 20 years, there there actually is a lot of data that's out there. I think though that the challenge is that there's a there's a real lack of relevant data because the claims that we saw 20 years ago. 15 years ago, even five years ago, are markedly different than the types of claims that we're actually seeing today. And that's why modeling becomes so challenging because modeling, if you think about it in the property context, if you're trying to model hurricanes or floods, you know, they're they're a very constant risk. And you can look at a lot of, you know, centuries of of historical scientific data um, to be able to pattern out what the future is going to look like. And no two cyber claims are exactly the same and no two um, threat actors are exactly the same. And the types of vulnerabilities that that are often exploited are very different from one another. And so that's what makes modeling so difficult in this space. Um, Now, fortunately, there have been a number of firms that have really started to, to tackle this issue and have come up with some Um, with some models that are um, still very much in early stages, but are attempting to kind of take this concept and really start to build out types of scenarios that could exist um, from a from a cyber catastrophe standpoint. But again, because the risk is is constantly changing, I think that will always make the um, the modeling piece of it, which tends to look backwards in time, um, always a very challenging thing to do. Um, But I do think that there's a lot of um, validity to to, to the insights that they bring to the table. With respect to the risk evolving, um, this is where we see technology playing an increasingly more important role in the underwriting process because it, it, it should be treated as a continuum and because it needs to constantly be, um, you know, be looked at and, and be analyzed. Um, this is where we think technology can play a really important role in the future and, and being able to see things that a traditional underwriter might not be able to see. Or it doesn't have the bandwidth to pick up over a given period of time. Um, So more and more um, incorporating technology um, into the underwriting process I think is going to be a real key to um, to how the future of cyber underwriting should look.
0: Now I know Corvus is doing some interesting things in terms of data collection and um, aggregation as part of an initiative to create some transparency into um, the cyber world.
1: Can you talk a little bit about that specifically? Absolutely, So, um, so one of the things that we know right now is of key concerns to our risk capital partners and particularly for reinsurers is this concept of cyber aggregation. Um, and as you pointed out, Sandy, we do collect a lot of that information as part of the underwriting process by doing a passive scan on every single submission that we receive. And, and through that scan, a non-invasive scan, we're able to gather a lot of information about um, not only about the demographics of an insured, but also the um, the providers that they're using in many cases, the um, the email providers, or the software providers that they're using, and so um, so because we have that information, we've we've created now a risk aggregation platform, which um, which includes all of that data and is available to our risk capital partners to. Um, to share with them, you know, what the overall composition of the portfolio looks like. Um, So, for example, you know, any given partner that we work with um, or provider of capital could go in and could actually see in real time, um, not only, again, the composition by industry or limit, but more importantly, you know, what the concentration is with Microsoft, for example, or um, a particular hosting provider. And, and not only be able to see it, but also take action on it if it is um, overly weighted in a certain area or if it is out of strategy. Um, you know, if there's a, a, a particular concentration in a certain industry um, that goes against the underwriting strategy, then then we can take quick action on it. Um, we use this as, as, as underwriters, we use this as a company, um, but we also make this available to our risk capital partners. And we believe that transparency is really important because by having a more transparent view of the portfolio, we're then able to solve some of these aggregation um, issues that the market is facing and and hopefully by providing greater insight into that, then, um, you know, then then, um, bringing some more capital or some stabilization to that capital in the market going forward.
0: I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of data security standards. Um, so as we look at cyber risk in general, do you feel like some sort of data security standard, national data security standard, would help mitigate some of this risk? Um, and then what might that look like? Uh, should we be looking at GDPR for guidance, for example? would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so um, so certainly when it comes to a national standard, um, you know, having seen the first data breach notification laws come into effect in 2003 in California, and then, um, you know, again, many more in 2006, I think the last one, uh, last state regulation didn't come into effect until 2018. As a company operating in the US, you have, um, you know, 50 state different regulations to have to comply with from a data standard in terms of if there has been a data breach, you know, what type of data and how quickly it must be reported and what must be reported to, um, to specific customers. Um, it does make it very confusing um, for um, for many companies. And so having a national sort of data standard, I think is is something that has widely been endorsed by a number of different um, groups and and a number of different industries. Um, And I know it's been tried in the past to try and come up with some sort of national standard, almost kind of a minimum standard, if you will. Um, But certainly we know there's a lot of support for, um, for for that data breach law. Um, but I think kind of going beyond that too, there there have been a number of developments in this space, um, you know, not so much tied to data per se, but um, but tied to this idea of um, of particularly around ransomware events and reporting of of broader cyber incidents in certain industries. So there's a um, there's there's a couple of initiatives that are um, underway at the moment on Capitol Hill. One is. Um, a particular request for critical infrastructure specifically to be reporting cyber incidents to the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency so that they can um, better, um, better respond to these types of incidents that are impacting critical infrastructure within our country. There's also the, um, I think recently it's been proposed um, in the Senate, the Ransomware Disclosure Act, which would require companies to disclose to DHS um, any ransomware payments that are made within 48 hours so that they can now better track some of these um, ransomware groups and more importantly begin to trace some of the um, the payments that are being made so that they can um, potentially subrogate and, and get some of that back so we're seeing again much like we we've seen the risk evolve we've seen now the regulation evolve and kind of turning away a bit from data breach standards and really more into just cyber reporting overall um, and i think there's i think there's some real merit to these um, and and the more that we can employ the support of law enforcement and other governmental agencies. Um, There's been a a, quite a bit of talk around public private partnerships in this space. Um, You know, we think that we can um, certainly create a more cyber resilient society Um, and and by having a uniform set of standards that everyone's operating under um, certainly lessens the confusion that exists when when some of these events occur.
0: That seems like definitely the a lot of this is working towards not just more standards, but transparency into what's happening as well with the reporting and the um, and the you know the regulations around that around payments and ransomware and that type of thing. Um, so let's look a little bit into the future uh, before we go and give us your thoughts on where you see the cyber market poised to go next.
1: Yeah, so I think um, you know, that I'd mentioned throughout, I mean, the cyber market's at a at a really pivotal point right now, um, you know, in terms of Um, looking at coverage and addressing, you know, some of the silent cyber issues, but also, you know, kind of dealing with this supply demand issue, which is really having an impact on um, not only rates, but also on capacity. I think as we look, um, as we look to the future, I think that um, I think it will take some time. I think we're starting to see coverages begin to evolve and really trying to address some of these broader systemic issues that the market is facing. And Um, As as coverage begins to um, address some of these, I, I do think that we'll see Um, you know pricing hopefully pricing and rates begin to stabilize and and some additional capital kind of flowing back into the the market to be able to support the types of coverage that um, you know that that companies are looking for but that really requires um, a number of different things it requires um, you know companies to be very focused on cyber hygiene Um, and and what that means is really you know kind of focusing on cyber awareness and building that as part of um, as part of their overall risk management um, through the entire organization. it's going to require the assistance of public-private partnerships and um, you know kind of uh, you know uh, tapping into some of these resources and 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 creating better guidance and, and infrastructure and in some cases, um, you know lessening liabilities associated with making these these events more known and and allowing law enforcement to really um, begin to, um, begin to go after some of these threat actors. Um, and of course the insurance industry as well and making sure that that the insurance, that the coverages continue to evolve and provide the types of coverage that that companies need. Um, but I think that there's a um, I think there's certainly we've seen the market grow over 20 years. It's it's gone from you know practically nothing to you know over three billion, depending on the reports you read, anywhere between um, you know, three and five billion in gross written premium and and the world is certainly becoming more digitized and um, and more connected, and as a result of that, you know this this risk is just going to continue to to grow. And so, um, so we certainly see that there's a a future for cyber insurance, and um, you know, and it will continue to evolve, just as it has um, over the last two decades.
0: Lori, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been uh, really insightful, uh, this, this constantly changing market. It's great to get an expert uh, an expert view from someone who has been with it since the inception. So um, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope we get to talk again.
1: Thank you so much. I
0: really appreciate the time. That was Lori Bailey, Chief Insurance Officer at Corvus. I hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to check out the rest of our podcasts at SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.